0: Football this week. This is a bonus segment. You know, we're sticking at the beginning of your show because I think it'd be stupid to put this at the end. Evan and I are recording this the day after. We normally record on Wednesday to shit and talk on the U.S. men's national team loss to Trinidad and Tobago. 1 1 getting eliminated from the World Cup. The United States will not be in Russia. You are hearing, let the bodies hit the floor, because that's basically how Evan and I feel about what should happen to the entire U.S. Soccer Federation.
1: Burn it the fuck down. Burn it down. Burn this, it down. If this, I I wish that I had a way over audio to demonstrate the Elmo Hellfire gif, because that's how I feel yeah. about all of this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I really like, dude, because, is, is, so just really quickly, just to find a little bit of comedy, is that... You saw Bruce Arena in his post match press conference, just sitting there, like, "Yeah, look, it's bad and all that stuff." But oh, like, he did
1: the right thing and resigned, right? He he bowed out. And he said, "This is unacceptable. I didn't do my job, and and I resigned from the national team." That's that's how that went, right? That is
0: one hundred percent not how that went. In fact, that was the joke, right? Like he didn't do that. He fucking stayed on, and he said, "Actually, we don't really need that much changes. Like I'm you know continuity and all that shit." And it's literally Evan that that dude is i realized what the fuck he looks like he is the personification of the this is fine dog like that's oh what my that god is. he
1: is like literally like christian polish stick is running circles behind him with his hair on fire uh tim howard is a flaming pile of garbage and he's just sitting there at the presser now nah, it's all right
0: it's all right it wasn't so bad i mean like obviously he was saying all the right, like some of the right stuff, like, yeah, this is garbage. And like, I take full responsibility, but like, instead of resigning like a fucking man, like taking responsibility and saying, look, like my continued presence isn't good for this, like this side, we need to, you know, I, we need to have a break from this and we need to start, you know, fresh with the new culture at the, at least at the top level of the, of the national team. He was just like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's bad, but like, I'm going to keep going. And like, that's such a fucking piece of shit. Move and like the fact that as soon as that final whistle didn't go, Evan, that Sunil Gulati, the president of USSF, didn't fucking resign on the spot is an embarrassment. Like, that's this is the day of his biggest professional failure. And like, as you know, when you're someone whose entire job is basically to create a culture of success at this level and you fail where everyone before you had not failed and you've you know presided over the biggest. Fucking failure in the history of US soccer You fucking resign you piece of shit Get the fuck out God damn so- it
1: So I think like I've done a lot of thinking and about like what is wrong here. And I'm not like the only one who's done that. And I think that it comes down to like one word, which is accountability. And the reason why we're so insistent that these people need to fucking go is because for way too long, there's been no accountability throughout the U S men's national team, throughout the U S soccer federation, just no accountability at all because anything they did was good enough, right? Making world cups was good enough. And Hey, you broke from group. That's great. Um, you know, putting, but it, you know, we were we were fine when they were just missing Olympics time after time. We were fine when the U twenty were getting knocked out of the World Cup contention time after time. We were fine when we were putting up embarrassing results at the beginning of the hex and. And, you know, having shitty exits to Jamaica and the Gold Cup. Like, there was just never any accountability for all this stuff until it's way too late. And now they're still trying to shirk responsibility for, you know, what is the most embarrassing. I mean, this isn't just like an all-time embarrassing defeat for the U.S. men's national team. This is like all-time in all international soccer, an all-time collapse.
0: Yeah, it, it was—I mean— it it's an embarrassment. It's a defeat at every level of this federation. And like the idea that anyone would play it off as like, Oh, well, like this is you know really, you know, a lot of things had to go wrong for this to happen. Like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't fucking matter. This is the worst thing that has ever happened to us soccer. And it's not just the most embarrassing result that the United States men's national team has ever had. It is by far the worst thing that the entire culture of soccer in our country has has suffered because it, this, this was a period of unprecedented momentum for this sport and a, a period where this sport could have uh, taken advantage of declining attendance and interest in other American sports at, to, to really get a real foothold in the mainstream of American culture. And now it's not clear if, that, if that's going to happen.
1: So, Gabe, I'm going to bring something to this that maybe you didn't expect, which is I have found, I think, a little bit of perspective on this, which is to Logan say— is not
0: happy about that at all. But. No,
1: and I'm really not—I kind of hate myself for thinking this way now. But, okay, I think there are two sides to our failing to qualify, and I, I do not think that there is any silver lining. There is no. I'm not going to give a bullshit take where it's like, oh, this will motivate us to do better. No, that's fucking bullshit. There's nothing good about missing the World Cup. Absolutely nothing. It is terrible for all the reasons that you said. My The two sides of it is that it is both an unmitigated disaster, which you laid out perfectly. I don't need to go over all the reasons why again. But at the same time as it's an unmitigated disaster, it's also easy to overstate how bad it is long term. Which is what I mean is like yesterday we talked about, and it's on, on the, you know, the rest of the show, we talked about how like actually there's a pretty good amount of young talent coming through the U.S. system right now. And that's because what sunk the U.S. team this time, aside from some really bad systemic issues involving management and selecting management and tactical decisions and a whole slew of things, was that we were playing with the same core we've been playing for forever. And they were comfortable and they were a little bit washed up and there was no pressure from younger players. And that's because we have a completely lost generation of players. We missed two Olympics. Since 2000, I think the last one we went to would have been 2008. I don't even know. Maybe even not that one. So we missed like several Olympics with our U23s. We missed several U20 World Cups until 2012. Um, And it's because that generation was fucking awful. Like they were just terrible. And you know what? They're not in the team. And those are the players that should have been filling out this team with energy that should have been pushing the veterans out of the team or making the veterans fight for their spots. And when we were talking about how this team looked complacent, they didn't look hungry. I think a lot of it's because they didn't have that pressure from below. Um, the good news is to a large extent, we kind of fixed some of those problems and the next generation coming through is a lot better. Um, so you know what we're looking at, maybe lining up for qualification in 2020, um, is actually looking, like, not bad. Uh, so, you know, I think that what we need to make focus on doing is fixing those top-end systemic problems. Like, get we need to figure out how do we get the right managers, how do we get the right tacticians, the right coaches, the right training schedules, the right formula. Like, how do we get the right everything else to maximize these good players coming through? Because even without the you know, 1995, 1996 birth year players, we absolutely still had the talent to qualify for the World Cup. And right. that's what that's where the failure is, right? The failure is in those players not figuring out a way to do it, in U.S. soccer not finding a way to get the best out of what they had. Because they are better than every other team in the Hex except for Mexico.
0: One of the questions that I saw today on Twitter, uh, Evan, was from Kevin McCauley, friend of the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, one of the reasons, you know, one of his articles that he wrote about this in a second, but uh, I saw that he posed this really interesting question. It's something that I've been thinking about myself for a little bit was, can you think of a truly top level coach that has ever coached for the United States men's national team? No, there's never, there's never been one. But like that's, and that's part of the accountability. Like the fact that they can keep shitting out like these teams coached by fucking Bruce Arena and Bob Bradley and even Jurgen Klinsmann is so like, is such a fucking bad tactician. Oh, he's a
1: fraud. He's a, a, Jurgen Klinsmann was a fraud, right? He is a charlatan. He convinced someone at U.S. soccer that he knew something about coaching football and he doesn't.
0: Right. He Um, got axed out of Bayern Munich really quickly. Like he is not a good coach.
1: Bruce Arena is what he is, and, like, to a certain extent, we knew what we were getting with him. We knew he was going to play his guys, and, like, that's one of the inexcusable things here is, like, our best defenders, uh, you know, Brooks and Cameron, especially Cameron, who was in the team. Right was on the fucking bench for Trinidad That's and who scored Gabbard, an own goal? Who scored the own goal? And it was an unforgivable own goal. Was, it was in so the team fucking and Tim bad. Howard. It was a youth Tim league, Howard. rec
0: league own goal. God damn it! It was so fucking bad. I actually, Evan and I, we both missed that own goal because we uh, were we were recording this show. Yeah, but it was so fucking bad. We didn't get to talk but, about that yet.
1: But also, there's like. Neither one of those goals gets past a, a reasonably competent keeper.
0: Right, Tim Howard is extremely over the hill, and I hate to say that because he was incredible in the last World Cup.
1: But he's not even—I mean, he's not even close to okay for he's nowhere near for the 20. hill. He's nowhere near the hill yeah. at all.
0: Like, God yeah, damn.
1: like I mean, he he rolled down the hill a long time ago. Like he is settled in the grass at the bottom of the hill now, <laughs> comfortably um, in the river at the canyon <laughs> below the hill. Right, right. He's enjoying a nice, comfy retirement down down by the river. Like he. He, there's no reason he should have been anywhere near the team. Like play Brad Guzan, who hasn't, you know, who we haven't lost a match on the road with Brad Guzan in goal over the qualification period. So play him. Play Jeff Cameron in defense, especially because Omar Gonzalez was fucking terrible against Honduras. He was not good against Panama. Um, like he's just he's not as good as Jeff Cameron, who is a first team player in the Premier League. But Bruce Arena played his MLS guys, and it fucking cost us a World Cup.
0: Yeah uh so i mean look there's i think that you're totally spot on i mean one of the points that i've seen made today was that this reboot with klinsman that i think actually had some good effects in that like it, it i think it did energize the the youth teams and a little bit more came at the expense on some level of the national of the the top national team and that is not it doesn't have to be an either or thing with these two sides like of like, I don't understand why it seems like the U.S. Soccer Federation thought that they needed to tread water at the men's national team level while developing this kind of actually competent youth system, which they finally have. Let's be clear, the U.S. men's youth youth teams have actually gotten much better. And that's a real, you know, victory for for Gulati. Yeah, I mean,
1: they, the U-20s have hit quarterfinals in the last two U-20 World Cups, like, we've got good players coming through, but you know, that's kind of where I think that, that lost generation comes back, right? It's like the reason why it looks like we were treading water at the national team level was partially because it was a delayed effect of, you know, of, you know, you fix your youth team, but it takes a while for those effects to trickle back up.
0: Yeah. But they also didn't like invest in good coaches or like good staff to get those youth, you know, the, the national team level to perform even close to their level. Right. Like, I think the only time the US played close to their level, you know, the level that you would expect out of out of a well-coached, well-drilled, mid-level talented side was in that match against Portugal where they almost won, right? Like that was the only game that I can remember. Uh and maybe against Belgium um in 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 the knockout rounds in the World Cup, but like fuck, like that's that's terrible. <laughs> like it, they they're their qualifying campaigns Are not, obviously, now we know they're not something you can take for granted, even though this is the worst fucking federation, like qualifying group in the fucking world.
1: I want to talk about the federation a little bit because I think that a little tiny bit, and God, I really fucking hate myself because I'm not trying to be an apologist for the soccer federation because, like I said, they fucked this up. And there's not, there's not, these are not excuses for the fact that they didn't qualify because they absolutely still should have. But they've been a little bit a, um, and it's more just taking excuses away. Like, the fe- so people say, oh, it's because MLS isn't good enough. Where the fuck do you think the Panama, Honduras, and the Honduras players play? They're all playing in MLS. All their best players are MLS players. Like, MLS has actually made the federation better. The, the federation is a lot harder than it was back in the 90s because MLS is a much more competent league where a lot of these players are playing a better yeah, competition a than move, they were.
0: Get, get good money, and, like, it's good. And some of the shit takes have actually... Um, uh, Has actually centered around this idea that players are like getting complacent playing in MLS for big paychecks, which is fucking hilarious. They don't me. make, they,
1: yeah. I mean, at least from the context of like in comparison to Europe, they don't make anything. But in comparison to a Panamanian league, they make a lot better. Yeah. The money point is meat.
0: like the idea that that now the problem is that they get too much money and that they're they're lazy in MLS compared to literally the takes before these games were like MLS is a league that like doesn't encourage good players to play there and like doesn't you know have the the right level now it's like MLS may have the right level but like all these players are just lazy overpaid shits and it's like are you fucking kidding me like that's n- it's just such bullshit. Like,
1: well, there's a lot of MLS haters that are gonna like find a way to make MLS the problem on one end and another or another. And I think that's kind of what you're talking. I also saw our best friend uh, stupid fucking take ProRail come into this, where the reason why we didn't make the World Cup is because MLS sucks, and the reason it sucks is because it doesn't have ProRail.
0: Oh, fuck. I hate that. I fucking hate that. I actually made a joke, I think, on my Twitter about that. That was like I was really excited as a, like on an ironic level for some of like the shitty takes that were going to come out. And it was awesome. Like there were a couple of them that came out after I made that joke. And one of them was like I and I, I listed about seven takes. And one of them was like we need like the only reason this happened is because MLS, uh, you know, it doesn't have Pro realm <laughs> And like God that absolutely it. has been thing people are saying. Another one that I really liked that I wanted to highlight and like let's just let's just have a little laugh at this, right? Is my joke like the it was a it was the joke was a take like, oh well like I'm really bummed out that the US didn't make the the World Cup, but actually I never like soccer and it's a fucking garbage sport. And actually like right after the game, like I was tweet like making these jokes, this dude who is a fucking U.S. congressman who represents Christian Pulisic? By the way, FYI, <laughs> said <laughs> I. Wow, I'm really uh, disappointed that U.S. didn't make the World Cup. And then I remembered that so- I don't like soccer. And then like it's this unbelievable. And then he was like went on this rant about how soccer fans who were dragging him over that comment rightfully because it's so stupid to like comment on something you don't care about, saying you don't care. It's like the classic, dude, I'm not
1: mad. Uh, no, it's just it's stupid it fucking, so fucking virtue dumb, signaling. It, like it's it's this cultural signaling of like, oh, look at me. I don't care about soccer, and you know the the undertone is I'm a real American who likes American sports, like you know killing people, killing each other, playing football.
0: Right, like people like my you know, like poor black people fighting to like giving brain damage to each other on Sundays. But whatever. Uh, no, I mean like it, it was. It, I thought it was very funny, and like the level of terror will take that is out there is really great. And, and we're going to get into it on future shows. I'm not going to do too many more. Uh, I mean, there's today. an entire
1: year's worth of bad yeah, take it, coming out. So and, many, dude. <laughs> and there's good takes too. Like, I mean, I've read yeah, good yeah. thoughtful articles that talk about, you know, ways that the U.S. can improve. And uh, I totally. mean, at this point, like, so like at this point, it's just, it's so hard to have any kind of crack pers- a beer. Like, Hang on. So <laughs> have gave, to stop I'm, actually, I'm actually consciously drinking uh, wine tonight because I, so I was going to have a beer, but it's Shiner, which is American beer. And I didn't want to drink American beer. And then I was going to have some whiskey, but the whiskey I have is rye, which is American <laughs> rye. And I didn't want to drink American whiskey. And then I was going to have Scotch, but Scotch is from Scotland, which is English speaking. And that's too close to American also. So I am drinking Chianti. Well, my dude, I am drinking Corona. <laughs> Good, fucking good. Because I, I, I mean, I guess I, I. So I let's talk about what we do with the World Cup now. So I guess you're you're in for Spain, obviously.
0: Yeah, obviously, I have uh, a side. I unfortunately I, both of my my second and third like sides are out now because USA and also Wales, which we discussed on yeah. the show. You guys will hear and, that later.
1: And I'm uh, so I'm I'm in for England now because half that team is Tottenham, basically. Yeah. Um, and so like, I'll be in for England and that, I mean, that's just like, they're historically, historically famous for finding ways of letting people down. So that's going to be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and I guess just Iceland too, because Iceland's amazing.
0: Yeah. Iceland's hilarious. They're, they're awesome. I'm going to be probably rooting for Egypt. Um, Kian, oh, Kian's yeah. family is from Iran. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't really have like, I'm kind of in, I don't know. I'm kind of also into Panama and some, I, I know that it sucks that they knocked the U S out, but I also, they're awesome and they... Qualified out of nowhere off a of fluke. Well, let's talk about the fact goal. that they didn't
1: actually win. They did not actually win that game. <laughs> they did not score that goal. And if there is goal line technology in Concacaf qualifying, then the U.S. is fucking going to a playoff because that ball did not go across right, the of goal line. Of course, and it
0: calls into question the validity of that match and all that shit. But you know what? It doesn't like it doesn't exculpate the U.S. like at all. No, at and, that, all.
1: and that's the, that's what's so bullshit about the soccer the federation president's fucking his his comment like oh well when it's just two here or there you know you don't make big changes and he's talking about Dempsey's chance that he didn't take that was poked out by a couple inches and he's talking about that yeah. but the whole point is that like you can't be in that situation where the margins are that thin against it's Trinidad and
0: Tobago feet. what the fuck Trinidad,
1: and Tobago. like you just put like if you're a competent soccer country you just put five past Trinidad in the first half and it's not a problem right it just um or you matter. just don't don't drop so many points to start the hex. It's don't not Don't score a on yourself. What the fuck? Don't like, score it's not on yourself. Like, yeah, so it's like, yeah, you can say, oh, well, it was only two inches here or there, except for all the other times that it wasn't two inches, that it was, you know, that you put yourself in that situation. And, and another they, thing I wanted to say was... They you drew know,
0: Honduras I, instead of beating them. Like, that, come yeah. on. like,
1: Yeah, oh. look, I so I found this to be one of the most emotionally draining sports events of my life. And I've been trying to figure out exactly why I felt that way about it. And I think there's a couple of things. I think first off, it's like the nature of international soccer. Like the soccer's not very good. The whole reason you watch international soccer is like your emotional investment in the team. And it's a little bit of tribalism and nationalism. It's a little bit of like everyone coming together. And it's just, you know, you remember these watch parties from 2014 and how fun it was and how exciting it is and um, you know, it's just, that's the quality of it. But like when that's the investment, then when that's taken away that it's that much harder, I think than a club loss, there's the time frame where, you know, it's for four years instead of like, you know, I've gone through the Ravens, you know, in, you know, losing an AFC championship game and it sucks and it's awful and they lose in the last second, but there's always the, there's always next year, right? The U S isn't going to play a competitive match a next year, right? 20 that's months, that's 20 point. months until they play another competitive match. Like that's crazy. So if you like international, soccer and I do for the reasons I talked about like that really fucking sucks yeah. and then I also I think it's a lot worse to lose this the way we did instead of if we had just fucking lost it against Panama at home like I, ex- this team sucked and we knew it sucked and I cursed them enough when they drew Honduras and we talked about all the reasons that they were not good and they were backing into the World Cup if they were going to go and if they had just confirmed everything I thought about them by just folding against Panama, I don't think I'd have been as devastated. But they came out and they played great against Panama and they did really well and they won 4 nothing. and then to do what they did against Trinidad like it was just a disgrace and I think like all of that together has combined to cause the like the reaction, um, that, that came together. Like everything just fucking exploded.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the next step that we should do right now is just quickly run through some of like the, the names that are
1: popping up because I really don't want to, oh. you know, if and we don't have to, do, we can, we, we, can we should, it it's just, it's just a really dark, dark place. But let's do it, but our next show is gonna to have to
0: be a lot more of like the european stuff, so I yeah I no, think we should no no,
1: we should do it. I'm just saying that it's awful because basically all the names are awful.
0: I like a couple of them um so i'm just gonna we're gonna talk about Kevin macaulay's article um because I actually really trust him as a as a, person a who article. analyzes um the US everyone should go team. read it um it's just on espioation slash soccer It's just good it's about the candidates to replace arena and like the truth is you know obviously even if they don't blow up the system basically they're going to have to get a new coach at the very least for the national team so we'll see i so Uh, if my money right now would be uh, on uh yeah tab ramos i'm pretty sure he's the first name that comes up on mccallie's article like i think it's it's a pretty it's a pretty clear choice because Gulati and company have, have indicated they want to kind of not shake the boat too much and that they trust him. He's been the under 20 coach. I just, it's not an inspiring hire. I'll say that. It, so like, if that's is, what it is, that's like, what it is, but it's extremely that, not inspiring.
1: It is like, I guess maybe it's fine. Um, like, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about handing him an entire World Cup cycle. No. Um, handing him the reins to run this thing for a little bit. Like, I mean, we've got some fucking time. Um, handing him the reins yeah. to bring up some of his U-20s and maybe get these, you know, and, and start playing these guys in friendlies. Right. See and, how the results
0: look with, with like, some of the youngsters
1: yeah, like I, if we can't, fi- like if we can't find someone better, like I don't hate that. I guess it's okay, but I agree it's not inspiring. Again, that the it's, guy a, doesn't have any it's international a B experience. to B plus hire. Like it's the kind of thing where that they've kept
0: doing with you know. I thought Klinsman was a B to B plus hire. He's not a good yeah. coach. He's a kind of snake oil salesman, but he also is not a terrible disaster like some of the previous coaches. Arena is a B minus to C plus hire. Uh, bradley i fucking detested who but whatever he is a c to c plus higher but like he's not an f some of the people that that kevin talks about are fucking f's in my oh field. yeah there's some bad, bad uh, in- so the other two names uh peter Vermes, um and caleb porter both uh of sporting Kansas city important portland timbers respectively boo
1: boo
0: it would be a Fucking catastrophe if they. I think if they went with a coach from an MLS side like this. So there is only
1: there is one MLS um, coach that's acceptable, and it is Atlanta United's coach Martino. Like he's the only. Yeah. He's the only guy. He has international experience. He's got a pedigree. He's doing great things at Atlanta. He's the only acceptable guy. The other ones, their pedigree is entirely in MLS, and with all due respect to MLS fuck MLS
0: for this little bit at least for um, this purpose I I I I think there's one other person that I could imagine which is uh Patrick Vieira from uh, NYCFC but I think there's no fucking chance he takes that job not because he's great not because he's even as good as Tata Martino but because I I actually think that he has kind of big ideas and you know is not a tactically b- tactical buffoon um, yeah. Though his team Which does certainly do, like, Christ. Yeah. yeah. And he wouldn't be wedded to any one player. He's a very much an outsider in the U.S. system. So I, I would be okay with him. So let's see. He goes through some other players, some other people. I just I don't, I don't even think it's worth mentioning some of these guys because there's no fucking chance they come and take over the U.S. T- national team because they're basically all of the very high level, exciting, unattached managers. Yeah, it's like. Enrique, Enrique, and, and Thomas like, yeah. Tuchel, uh, you know Carlo Ancelotti yeah man like that'd be great I would fucking toss millions of dollars to any of these people right to right to like come do it but like why, know, why Thomas on Tuchel could probably, earth
1: would they right there's like, no these reason the guys, like,
0: he's gonna take Bayern next next time exactly Luis these guys are next in line fucking Chelsea or whatever so like yeah that like that's terrible
1: yeah, they're next in line for the biggest Europe jobs. If they want an international job, they can get a much better international job than the US. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's going to be other I mean, there's other big national teams that I right. think most coaches would rather coach who are going to be in the market also. Netherlands, etc. Uh,
0: right, so then there are the kind of out there coaches. I think Miguel Herrera is the one that I wanted to talk about a little bit. He's kind of a weirdo. Uh he did actually do a really good job with Mexico after Uh, 2014 and you know where they didn't qualify and that uh you know he actually is pretty good coach and like i think he's he's uh so kevin mentions him uh you know he's he he actually has a tactical system that that fits the u.s like the the kind of upcoming personnel for the u.s yeah but i don't like Hiring people that have a single tactical system like he he runs three uh center back and an up tempo attacking style, and like that
1: theoretically suits the the u s but i don't know i i it's not my choice um so he's the, isn't he the guy who gave us the amazing gif of him, like, freaking out on the sideline and going Super Saiyan?
0: Yeah, dude, that's him. Yeah,
1: he rules. so, like, I'm in 100% just because of that.
0: Yeah, he rules. Um, like, I
1: don't 100%. actually care about anything else because U.S. soccer is garbage and it's probably going to keep being garbage yeah, until so who gives a shit. U.S. soccer
0: deserves someone who really fucking cares, too. Like, it, Bruce Arena, like, I don't know, man, like, fuck that. Like And, and Jurgen Klinsmann, like, he kind of checked out, I thought, by the end, so.
1: Oh, clear, Klinsmann would Done. Yeah.
0: so like at least Herrera will give up huge shit about how the team does right and and also it could draw in some like mexican american fans like and like that's a helpful thing right a lot of mexican american feel like they should support Mexico over the United States, right?
1: Can I I, I digress for just a second about Mexico? Fuck Mexico. Fuck the Mexican team. We fucking bailed their asses out in 2014 and gave them a goddamn chance to qualify by winning a match in the last... We gutted out a win at Panama. There was no reason for us to do it. And these guys fucking shat away a lead in a ridiculously embarrassing way against Honduras. And fuck them. I will absolutely not be rooting for them in the World Cup. I hope they fucking... (laughs) lose their group. I hope they get zero points and God have mercy on their soul.
0: Uh <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, re- regardless, like my, my uh, feeling is sort of in like, uh, we, we, we should be appealing to some of the Mexican Americans in our, in, in the United States. Like, especially like people who are Americans by birth and Mexicans, like by heritage who might be like me, I'm, I'm American by birth, uh, and Spanish by heritage. And Spain has always been my first team, and it's cool the idea of like maybe appealing to some people like me, uh, obviously that are Mexican, not Spanish, but like uh, who uh, who might be more inclined to support Mexico by bringing in someone who they know and, and respect and support. You know, I don't know, that's kind of cool. I kind of like that. There's some other shitty ideas, obviously Vangal, Hidink. Fucking terrible.
1: Oh, Van Gaal, Jesus. Like, why is he like He's got to
0: be on the the list, right? Because, like, do you think it's a crazy thing, the idea that they might bring him in? No, I don't think so. He sucks.
1: It's crazy that anyone still talks about Louis Van Gaal for coaching anything all the way down to, like, a rec league.
0: Everyone hates him also. That's another thing people got to remember. He fucking sucks. He's a, you know, scorched-earth dude. Now, speaking of scorched-earth dudes, uh, Kevin fucking hates marcelo bielsa i gotta tell you man uh i am a huge uh evangelist for marcelo bielsa so i understand that kevin doesn't like him but i think it'd be super cool (laughs) if, if usa hired him that being said he's not wrong that he absolutely destroys like he can destroy a soccer culture but if everyone buys in I don't know, man. That, that Chile side that he ran for a couple of years was very sexy and a very oh, fun side.
1: Chile, also out of the World Cup. Yeah, Yikes. that sucks.
0: That's bummed me out. I like them. Um, yep. Other people on the uh, – oh, yeah. Contractually <laughs> – Kevin mentions the, the four people that they're contractually obligated. These are the actual F hires, okay? Bob Bradley. hmm Jason Kreis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can't even make the playoffs in Orlando. Greg Berhalter and Siggy Schmid.
1: The fuck are those last two people? So
0: Columbus Crew and LA Galaxy. Siggy Schmid has been on the list forever, dude. Um, Yeah, these guys would all be fucking F-hires. They're all like... They might be on the list, but they'd be the ninth They should be, like, the ninth or tenth at best choice. And if they get them, there's been a total catastrophic failure in decision-making.
1: who even cares? It's going to be Tad.
0: I mean, Tad Tad is better than some of these guys, man. If they bring back Bob Bradley.
1: But here's the thing. Like, it's fine. And, like, it just feels like it's just another fine move. And fine moves are sort of kind of how we got here.
0: Right. And a fine move. I don't know. Like we mentioned, that it would be cool if they didn't give the full 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 four years to Tab, but if they gave him a couple years for, like you know, just to check it out, see how he does integrating his youth people into the side, like that'd be cool.
1: I get Yeah. Look, like I said, I, I guess that's true. Like if I be a seat
0: warmer for two years for when they like inevitably try to try to hire Arsene Wenger when he gets. So that's
1: my, (laughs) that's my, so my hope is something like that, right? He gets to come through and he's here for two years. The U S has a really good gold cup and they look promising going into the next world cup cycle. um, But now still promising that they keep him. And then, well, then you decide whether you keep him or if you're attracting like a higher end coach.
0: Right. Like, uh, I mean, I think it'd be kind of cool to try to go get Fabio Capello. I know he's like been terrible for a lot of people, but you know what? I don't know. I still buy him because maybe because he coached my Real Madrid team of my youth. Um, uh, all right. Well, that's basically where we are on this. Um, coming up, you're going to hear our show
1: from yesterday.
0: There's a lot where of good pre- news. We
1: preview all of this, and right. it does not go how we expect.
0: Well, there's also a lot of good analysis of other shit. Um, yeah. But there's also quite a funny uh, five-minute discussion about what we can expect the
1: U.S. team to do in Russia. So <laughs> It feels so <laughs> stupid in retrospect, but I stand by all of it. Another reason why this is so devastating is because yeah. I fucking stand by all of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so check that out. Um all right, we'll be uh you know, right back uh, after this Enjoy quick musical break where I um, play some really angry music just like you just heard at the beginning of this pre recorded segment. All right. All right, Evan, we'll be back on a second. Oh, wow. i Gabe Lezer. I'm joined by Evan Mateer, and Let's Fix Football. Welcome to the show this week. No uh, interview or anything, Evan. We are back. Just the original, uh, original two to talk international break bullshit. And here's the thing, I fucking hate international break.
1: Yeah, so I also hate them. I especially hate them when I'm pulling my hair out wondering whether the U.S. is going to give up a fucking 90th minute shitty scrum goal to Trinidad and and Tobago and not even qualify for the playoffs for the World Cup. And I'm just pretty certain that that's going to happen
0: on a pitch without any lighting and uh, and it's uh, just one big puddle.
1: (laughs) Right, right. They're going to like someone's going to slip in ankle deep water and Trinidad's going to put the ball past us, and everyone's going to, you know... I
0: like the the even better ideas. I feel like I saw a movie that included a scene where, like, someone shot the ball, but, like, it slowly rolled, and they thought it was going to make it, but then it, like... Caught caught in a puddle. <laughs> I like the <laughs> idea of like you as like Christian polls just like getting past everyone, getting an open net, slotting at home, except for the ball getting stuck in a puddle right in <laughs> the goal line, and having to like go to goal muddy puddle, <laughs> go to goal line technology to see if the ball fucking floated across the goal. Line.
1: <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a fucking. I mean, if they even play tonight, it's gonna be a fucking nightmare, and it's also next to impossible to watch it because of the ridiculousness of Concacaf uh, TV rights.
0: Yeah, it's extremely funny. I mean. Look, it sucks, but it's also extremely funny And I, I also heard reports, Evan, that uh, there's no lighting at the stadium right now
1: <laughs> So not only are they going to be wading through ankle-deep water But they're not going to be able to see It's just bones.
0: it's so good um, Before we get too far into this, man I, I am drinking a Chilean Pinot Noir in um, honor of our friends from Argentina Who uh, are going into their absolutely crucial match against Ecuador this evening In Quito, which is the best part about it uh, what are yeah, you drinking?
1: Yeah, talk talk about a fucking clusterfuck. Yeah, no, I'm drinking a uh, bullet rye. Nice. Um it's, That's uh, it's pretty pretty tasty. It's it's yeah, it's really good. I like to just drink it straight. I've uh, been drinking a lot of wine lately. So yeah. I decided to decide to have some whiskey tonight. That's a good um, move.
0: Um, That's Eleanor pretty, pretty bought good. me, so it's my birthday today. Um, my fiance, Eleanor bought me a, um, you're fucking old. I know I'm, I'm 29. Okay, I'm old. I'm
1: old too. Dude,
0: we're fucking old. It's terrible. Um, she bought me a, uh, special like, uh, imported, uh, Octomore, uh, scotch, which is extremely heavily peated. There were only like 250 bottles
1: of it imported to the US. It's really good. It kind of like Pete Mageddon or Pete-a-saurus? These are actual Scott names <laughs> I think I've seen. <laughs> it's like. Um,
0: it's like. Lefroig but a little bit um more intense up front but less uh of the aftertaste on the back end i don't know how to describe it like people who like i mean could i
1: maybe i can like, help you out it's kind of like taking a small teaspoon of peat ash and eating it
0: right it's so yeah if Lefroig is like smoking the peat ash this one <laughs> would just be like eating it um so like slightly less beatier but still incredibly good um Let's get back to the soccer, even though it's international break, international break sucks. Um, The game of the week we're going to talk about in a second was USA Panama, which we both watched and was extremely good for the U.S. Finally playing uh, and we'll get into this, so we don't need to get into it now. But we're finally playing with Christian Pulisic as a actual number 10, which literally everyone on soccer Twitter or everyone really in the industry could have told Bruce Arena that that's what you have
1: to do with this team. Oh, and I have a theory about why they thought that he should be a winger, but I'll save that for a minute.
0: They thought he should be a winger because they suck. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, let's jump into the other stuff. Um, Around the Euros, Spain, France, Portugal qualified today. Um, A lot of other teams have already qualified. Iceland is, I think, one of the bigger stories. They've made it Yeah, Everyone is extremely psyched. Unfortunately, my... Uh, brave Welsh dragons were downed by Ireland, one nothing, and so unfortunately, my boys will not be at the World Cup, even though they deserve to be. Um, it is
1: a huge shame that that uh, Gareth Bale missed that game. Yeah, uh, with you know, kind of international break itis. Yeah, um, yeah. Like yeah. I know he's been you know pretty. I think that there's there's speculation that he could have gone, but that uh, you know, Madrid was not interested in him going.
0: Yeah, that so that's kind of where I that's kind of where I've landed on it. There was a lot of clamoring from the Spanish press that he actually had a really serious injury and then Madrid released like the results of his MRI and shit and they were just like, "Yeah, he just has a bruise." And so if you think about it like that, like he just has a bad bruise, you probably fight through that. But, you know, the guy that the team that's paying his bills said come home like for more tests or whatever. So he should be yeah, back I in a mean, couple
1: of weeks. Yeah, I mean it's a shame. You you figure there's like no way that Messi would miss Argentina Tina's last qualifier. But I you know, I guess the expectations of you know, the expectation of what Bale is supposed to deliver for Wales on an international level is lower, but it's just a shame because this really is kind of a Welsh golden generation. Like it's not it's not just Gareth Bale. They have a lot of other good Premier League and other international Players right now and so if they were ever going to make some noise and maybe break from a group at a world cup it was going to be this year no i
0: don't think so i think it could easily be the next one actually a lot of their better players are younger and Bale is only what you know 27 28 so like i could see him still being an important player at 32 when some of the you younger ber- players that are making their marker are-
1: Bale can barely stay on the pitch at 28
0: yeah yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> we'll see we'll see um Let's see other 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 big stories. Uh yeah, it was good to see Portugal qualify. I mean, look, obviously everyone it was funny that they were not really there, but everyone kind of thought they were going to make it. Just like with Argentina, which we I think is the actual real story, but Portugal made it um not at all convincing, but they did win the Euro Cup, so like that in this exact fucking style like they sucked and they still won all these games anyways, so didn't matter. Um and uh, I think that's basically all I have to mention other than um, talking about Argentina. Do you have any so, other so people you I want have to
1: highlight? Two, I have two hilarious things to say. First off is about Netherlands. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So the Netherlands uh, were in this duel for maybe trying to get one more playoff spot. And I think they were dueling with Sweden. And there was a uh, the goal difference was coming into this a lot, and S- Sweden was playing, I think Luxembourg, and they the Netherlands coach was asked like, "Hey, what are you gonna do if they beat Luxembourg eight nothing?" And he says, 8 nothing. There's no way that they're gonna win eight nothing. I don't believe it." Well, they fucking did. <laughs> they fucking. Did beat Luxembourg eight nothing. So Netherlands came into their game having to beat Sweden nine nothing in that's order so to qualify good. for the playoff, and they fucking did not.
0: They beat Sweden by a lot, though. I think it was like two. Three no, it was four, just two.
1: Right? Oh, just it was two? two nil early, but they never put anything else past. They won mm-hmm. two nil, but they needed to be nine nothing. And just the fact that he's like eight nothing, nah, that's impossible. Just made my night yesterday. So
0: I think we can also mention that the Syrian football team lost to Argentina in their two-legged playoff. Australia. 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 God, yeah, I'm
1: that was sorry. the other thing I was going to mention. Is, is Syria losing to Australia um, in the first match of the two-legged? Uh, right, that's going to be a two-legged playoff. Well, my right?
0: understanding was they've actually played both legs.
1: Oh, was it the second leg? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I guess Australia qualified then.
0: So that's that. That's my understanding. It's but great only to for have the intercontinental, intercontinental Oh yeah, they have to beat the who whatever the CONCACAF team.
1: Number four CONCACAF, which you know, depending uh, on yes. how tonight goes, could be US, Costa Rica, or Panama.
0: Right. Um but yeah, so it's good to you know, on some level I, I've been I'm not really conflicted about how I feel about the Syrian team, but it's good so really it's good to have them the fuck out because they are an embarrassment to international soccer. Not and the sad thing is that I feel for the people in Syria who like have nothing else except for this team to root for yes.
1: Yeah, like, no I and I feel for the players too, right? I mean like look, I don't want the Syrian team to go home because I want the players to like suffer and like obviously it's a dream of theirs to make the World Cup. Um but the externalities of Syria making the World Cup are pretty horrific.
0: Right, exactly. As we've discussed and um yeah, so that's um I mean, if you want to lo- listen to more on our on our serious stuff, you should go back to the um, – I think it was our episode with Ernesto, Let's Fix FIFA, where we talked about um, the serious stuff. It was – it's fucking terrible. Just like it, it's a fucking catastrophe and they are basically forcing these players to play at gunpoint uh, and, uh, you know, holding their families hostage. <laughs>
1: like, it's, yeah, probably it's, really, it's, it's outrageous stuff and, and, you know, it it's not like them going home fixes the problem. Um, but at least it takes away a propaganda tool for the regime.
0: Yeah. And it reminds me working. a little bit about, I don't know if you remember this, but like in 2010, um, the North Korean team was yeah. definitely in the mix also.
1: <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah. that Yeah. And there actually, there were reports of their families suffering. Like with North Korea, there's always reports of like losing athletes, uh, families suffer.
0: Yeah. And that's, absolutely terrible i was gonna make a joke now i feel bad but my joke is like their news service talked about like the game where they lost like 8-1 to portugal just talked about how like they scored one goal
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it like no, it's like really amazing. good uh, no, yeah, North um, Korean Central News is always a good read if you want to see, like, actual, like, Big Brother shit on our actual earth right now.
0: Dude, it rules. It absolutely rules. Because, like, this weekend, um, and just a quick di- <laughs> digression, but, like, this weekend, Lindsey Graham tweeted that, like, he played golf with Donald Trump. And he was like, Donald Trump so- shot a 73 in wet and windy conditions. And only the only fucking thing I could think about is the North Korean news service fucking reporting that Kim Jong Il (laughs) shot a fucking 32 with 11 holes in one
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's amazing (laughs) <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! well yeah, I think that, I think for me that pretty much covers the interesting yeah. stories Ar- Ar-
0: the- let 's let's talk about Argentina yeah. because it's, uh, it 's quite funny they 're going to Quito and Ecuador, so Ecuador is one of these classic teams that kind of sucks, but when they play at home, they play at like three thousand five hundred feet <laughs> it 's crazy, and they 're the only people that can actually run for all ninety minutes, <laughs> and so like they have a history of like really fucking over teams that play against them in Ecuador. Uh, and so it is absolutely so if Argentina lose this game, they likely don't qualify for the World Cup. So like. It is not an inconceivable situation that Argentina loses to Ecuador and Quito, especially considering. And now, this is the funniest thing: Argentina has only scored sixteen goals in their qualifying campaign, which is absolutely atrocious.
1: Like, really, I mean, it's, how many how many matches is that? It's like it,
0: I think that their average, I think, it was seventeen matches. So it's like they're yeah, it's averaging crazy. less than a goal a game, which is crazy when you consider the fact that they have a you know they should have a starting you know two or three of. Right, some of the most prolific goals, goal scorers in all of Europe, plus arguably the best player ever in Lionel Messi. So Messi, uh, Dybala, Higuain, Icardi—like this is just an absolutely Di This is an absolutely stacked team, but. So Aguero, this, right? Isn't Aguero Aguero, Argentina, right, but he's injured, obviously. But yes, he's also injured. Aguero, yeah, also But yeah, still right? fucking,
1: like you picking a top, th- The okay, the people who you don't pick for your front three would still make one of the best front threes in the world.
0: Right, and the, the amazing thing about this game, Evan, is that uh, Argentina just announced their starting lineup, and none of the players, right? none of them are in it. So the only one is starting of all the people we just said is messy and none of the other ones. Higuain wasn't even called to the bench for this team. So
1: what the, like, what do you even make of that? I have no idea what the decision-making process is for, for Argentina, but it, you know, it seems like I, I just don't understand. I, you, you're, it's all or nothing. Why do you not call your best players? Why don't you start your best players? Like yeah, what I, the hell is it? Pressure from the clubs? Like, what is it?
0: I think um, there's kind of a uh, narrative in Argentina right now that, the squad doesn't play well with Messi, so like they they're they're trying to pick a squad that works with Messi, and apparently he doesn't seem you know that he seems to not favor DiBala and Iguain and Icardi starting with him. Uh, that's my understanding. I mean, like it may very well be that the clubs are pressuring, but you know you got to figure that if you're Argentina, one of the most powerful and important you know national teams in the world, the players will play right. Yeah. So. And, like, you would be crushing a player to have your employer tell him not. Like, the kind of stuff that, like, if if Juve said, hey, Higuain, you can't go to this game. He'd, like, I want to transfer. Like, if they, if his country is calling him to play. My feeling is, like, I, I'm not sure that his country even called him for this, which is insane to me, right? Like, he's one of the most prolific goal scorers in the country. And, like, there's this – yeah, there's this narrative about him not being able to score clutch goals, which is sort of borne out, right? But, like, ultimately – it doesn't really matter. Like you just go out swinging with your guns
1: on some level, and like, no, you yeah, you look you you don't you don't try to like when you have one. Okay, I understand trying to find a squad that plays well with Messi when you're going before you go into the World Cup, right? So like when you have your training camps and everything, you want to figure that out. But like when you have one game to win, you just fucking play the guys you know who, who can score goals.
0: Yeah, especially with a team that's just historically struggled to score, you I, think that like. I mean, like, yeah, even if and, you're not starting the best players, like, I think Iguain is better than Icardi and, well,
1: and these guys,
0: too, right?
1: Like These are guys who can have a moment of individual brill- brilliance, any one of them, and just make a goal out of nothing. And so the more of those kinds of guys that you have on the pitch, the better chance you have of sque- sneaking out a stupid 1-0 win in a goal- game you, that's going to be hard and that you have to win. So you put Messi and, for me, probably Iguain and Diabala, right? That's probably mine. Yeah, I mean, you, Messi... You put them on the pitch, and you just fucking have them, like, just tell them to do shit.
0: Right, I mean, I'd do some sort of 4-2-3-1, right, with, with Messi in the center, and Dybala, and maybe Icardi on the wings, and Higuain up top. Like, I just don't think this is yeah. a complicated, you know, just oh, classic overthinking formation. I don't know. Uh, just, I mean, maybe we're, we've got blinders on, but the truth is that this... <laughs> It doesn't matter if we've got blinders on it. Sampaoli's only been in charge for a few matches now. And, like, I just, it's just such a fucking terrible decision. I just don't understand. I don't get it. I, all right. So, anyways, uh, I think it's more likely than not that Argentina still makes it, but, like, they may still have to play a playoff, which is hilarious and terrible for them. <laughs> but. Ultimately they're probably gonna to go to the World Cup, but do it would not like would it absolutely floor me if next week we're talking about how, how on earth did this happen and how will it affect Messi's
1: legacy? Yeah, I don't wouldn't be floored by that. Which is oh insane. Oh god, I can't wait I cannot wait to fucking ignore the legacy discussion.
0: <laughs> There's gonna be so much of it. We're gonna have really to talk about to it. I'm really excited to
1: not give a fuck about that.
0: We're gonna you know we're gonna to have to talk about it, right? Do you have a Ugh. quick
1: take so we can avoid it? Uh no, no, because I have to think about what I actually I, I don't have any thoughts on that because I don't care.
0: Yeah. I mean it probably won't happen too. That's that's one of the things that I've been thinking. Like I, I don't think it'll happen. So like I'm not gonna formulate All right, a let's take until after Revisit
1: to that it. nonsense if it happens because right, exactly. I'm not really interested in thinking like I I don't want to think about it when I do have to think <laughs> about it. I certainly don't want to think about it before I have to.
0: Unless it's absolutely fucking required. All right. UCL, right. match day four or match day three uh um, yeah, most interesting match is for us uh and it's also the best match of the entire tournament which is <laughs> Real Madrid Spurs it's happening yeah Spurs are visiting Harry the Bernabeu Jane
1: taking the Bernabeu by storm
0: it's happening it's uh yeah so i think the question here is like assuming like both teams go in in full form like what are Spurs chances of nicking a point or maybe even um you know a, a I mean, again, it's unlikely a win, but like a pointer or even three against this Real Madrid side. I mean, do you feel like Spurs are in, you know, good position, like playing well? Like, is there anything more that they could be doing that you would want them to be doing?
1: So Spurs are in great form against teams who want to come out and play with them. Um, They've been struggling a little bit against Bunkerden teams, but they're not going to see a Bunkerden team when they play Madrid. And so I like their chance of, of playing in kind of an open... Um, match I mean it's a little bit terrifying because that can easily against Madrid become you know three nil real quick um, right. but I like um, I like Spurs chance of you know they're uh, a pretty lethal attacking team I like their chance of getting something on the board early and and you know seeing what happens from there they've got you know I guess this is the chance for Spurs to take the next step they they wanna be one of these you know, wanna be a big squad in uh in Europe. And so it's time for them to, you know, compete with uh, with some of the top end teams. I, I think what I hope happens is that they beat Madrid 3-0 and all of the goals come from deep in the midfield and Harry Kane and Deli Alley play like shit. Yeah, that's that's
0: exactly what you should hope for.
1: <laughs> like like fucking Harry Kane actually misses a penalty that would have made it four right. nil and Dele Alley like, you know, kicks uh, you know, kicks With Ronaldo Fox, in the, the falls fucking fans mad. Also,
0: too, like. and it makes and some comment like, about how Spaniards are all, like, greasy and ugly.
1: Yeah, or, like, says something in a post-press conference about people rolling around like pansies or takes a stupid... D- like, I just want him to do something to piss off for Madrid fans. But we... St- like, Musa Dembele puts in a brace and we get a draw. <laughs> but, but to be clear, I mean, like, Spurs only need a... If Spurs get a point, one point from both the matches against Madrid, that puts them in a really good spot to advance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they could then lose to Dortmund and beat Apoel again and they're and they're through. And yeah. so do I like I think I put I think I say it's an even chance that Spurs nick a point in one of the two uh matches.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean like looking forward, I you know, I, I totally think that it's absolutely reasonable um if especially if, if Spurs are the team that everyone has been saying, which I believe they are, to reasonably expect them to take you know a a few points from this this uh this two you know tie uh a two match tie basically right is what it is so like you know if you if, if spurs can grab a, a a scoring draw at the bernabeu because again one of the things that's important to remember with madrid is that it's just essentially impossible to keep, to keep them from scoring and like even yeah. in matches where madrid don't score they still put three balls off the post and stuff so like it's going to be a scoring draw if it's a draw and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think certainly it could happen in London. Um, I mean, Madrid has actually been ironically better away from home this season. <laughs> so, so, so
1: have Spurs actually though, so Spurs have been way better, um, way better away from home. And you know what I think is interesting about the return match in London is so assume something. So assume that Madrid beats Spurs fairly handily in Madrid, and Dortmund. Has like a stupid draw, or no? Let's say Dort- Dortmund beats Apoel. Madrid is still basically home at that point. They would have beaten Apoel, Dortmund, yeah. and Spurs. Yeah, I think, and that right. makes that return leg look a lot different for Madrid when they, if they really don't need to get much out of it.
0: Yeah, and I think you could see some of the kids starting in that match if you know, assuming Madrid feel like they're qualified. Yeah, right? if like they've if...
1: taken nine points from nine, and Dortmund has taken only. Three points, or you know, six yeah, points from uh, from nine. Or I'm sorry, three yeah, points three. from nine. Yeah.
0: And three, yeah, three
1: points from nine. Then Madrid is basically home free, and I could see them not playing the full squad and not being quite as motivated on that return leg. It's in London, so like that's a situation where I can see Spurs uh, pulling something off. I don't really think that we're going to get the point in the Bernabeo, but um, but what do you know? It's not like it's not like Madrid never loses at home or no, never draws at home. They exactly. do exactly, and it, it could definitely happen. I I mean. For the I th- love of God, Harry Kane, don't score like a ridiculous screamer to tie the game.
0: I think so. I like looking at this tie. My my kind of analyst guess is that Spurs grab one of the two games as a draw. Madrid get four. I think more. Um, like my my heart tells me that that Spurs might actually nick one of the two games. I could see Madrid losing one of them. Like the like maybe the game even in the Bernabeu. I don't think so because I think the players are going to come out really motivated, but it wouldn't be like out of the question just because like uh, Bale'll be injured. Like they'll be coming back from international. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being a little bit, you know, underselling Madrid, but uh, I'm, I'm feeling, I don't know. I'm feeling not super confident about this side right now, Um, but you know, that'll turn around. I'm sure. Um, Other important ties in match day three, um, I think the interesting one, looking across the uh, you know, the spectrum, uh, Napoli-City is a great match. I'm really looking forward to it because it's two really contrasting styles. Um, with You've got Pep Guardiola's uh, City side, which, while looking a little bit more cutting and a little bit more sharp-toothed than previous Pep sides, are still really a possession-oriented side. And a Napoli side that really thrives on the counter, which is exactly the way to beat Pep's side. So it could be a really interesting test for Pep. And like a so, proof of concept for player people deciding to go against city.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm really interested in that. I, well, first off I think it's actually the only like other truly interesting tie of the, uh, of the, of the next match day. I really don't think there's that much else out there. They're both really good sides. I think Napoli is the more is Napoli more of a question mark of the two teams. Like, is this fast start kind of real um, and, you know, do they have a lot of legs or, or not? And and with City, I think the question is more they've been good against English teams, but the question of every English team is can they play on the continent? Right, right. Um, And now, obviously, Pep has played on the continent before and done great. And so, you know, presumably he should be able to turn them into a side that can play on the continent. It'll be um, interesting
0: to see, you know, on that same idea, like whether Manchester United can go into Benfica, and Benfica, which is a side that actually... You know, was looking pretty good, but is actually totally bad <laughs> in the Champions League. So, and if Manchester like pulls out a convincing win uh, in Portugal, which is another another match this match day, just tossing so, that out there is one of the other ones that are in the mix.
1: So it's only slightly on topic, but I have a funny Pep Guardiola story. So I was talking with a friend of mine who doesn't watch a lot of soccer herself, but her boyfriend watches a lot of soccer, and he's a uh, he's a Manchester City fan. And we were talking a little bit about soccer, and somehow like soccer tactics came up. Um, and she's like, "Yeah, well, I know it's about making little triangles around the field and passing the ball around it." Okay, and I'm like, "Well, I that's a certain kind of of football." T- tactics if you watch pep Guardiola's sides all the time and <laughs> she probably does though and she probably does because the only time she watches <laughs> is when she's watching man city with you know with her boyfriend which i thought was absolutely hilarious the and, and i mean pep Guardiola would ne- he would he somewhere in the world had a little mini orgasm <laughs>
0: he definitely did
1: when was... he heard that that's that's actually all there is to soccer tactics is He's making little triangles and doing and possessing the ball i mean he
0: i she should really talk to uh The dude from the last show who said that the the sport should be judged by judges instead of goals. (laughs) She would really like him and probably get along really well. Such an
1: organized formation. It's really beautiful. Like, very perfect.
0: Um, Another good match. Last one I wanted to mention. uh, Red Bull. So, this is a really cool. I actually really like uh, Group G, which is a bunch of, like, mid-level teams that I think are all really cool. Monaco, Besiktas. Red Bull, Leipzig, Porto is a really cool match. I'm really interested in that to see how that goes with Porto going to Leipzig. Porto has been very good in Portugal this year uh, so far. And obviously, Leipzig Red Bull is uh, kind of the revelation of Germany. So, um, yeah, fascinating stuff, uh, I think. But that being said, there's actually not that much more to say kind of generally, especially because actually, I think we're going to have another show before that week, that next yeah. day. So we'll, we'll spend a little more time previewing it then. Um let's talk about USA versus Panama, Evan. Uh oh, yeah. USA 4 Panama 0. Uh yeah, this is much more what we expected from this team. Uh I think the key thing was that Christian Pulisic actually played at the number 10 instead of on mm-hmm. the wing.
1: Yeah, so it was the first time that they took him in from the wing, and he scored the first goal within like twelve minutes with a driving run straight down the middle, and it was amazing. It was skillful. He had to keep his, he had to collect. So everyone first off was talking about this great flick from Josie Altador. The flick was like away and behind Pulisic, and he had to make an have an amazing touch to drag that back in front of him and send it perfectly weighted upfield where he could catch up to it outrun while being muscled trying to be so two defenders are trying to muscle him off the ball and he's charging at the keeper he then dribbles the keeper and slots it in the goal it was an amazing goal it was everything that a superstar player like Pulisic should do um and it put you know it put uh uh the US up 1-0 so that the game opened up and they were able to put three more past Ryan. panama like it was absolutely essential given the pressure they were under to score that first goal. And it it just shows it's everything about why a player like him needs to be in the center of the pitch. And so this brings me back to my theory of why uh, the U.S. coaching staff has insisted of, on putting him on the right wing, because he plays as a number 10 for Dortmund like all the time. He also um, plays on the wing for Dortmund, to be fair. He, he plays on the wing, too. My theory is because in FIFA, the video game, he's a winger. Holy shit. That's And definitely so
0: it. That's they 100%. play FIFA
1: and like, so they put him on the right wing as a, as a right midfielder. And so they're like, that must be his position because FIFA said so. Holy shit. Holy shit, dude.
0: That's 100% what it is. That's so funny. I did not know that. That is awesome. Yeah, dude, of course it is. I remember, uh, back when Madrid had Ozil and Kaká. And everyone used to fight with me when I said, Yeah, Madrid needs to start. Ozil. Kaka is actually not as good as him. And there were like a lot of, I, I realized that a lot of it was because Kaka was an 87 on FIFA and Ozil <laughs> was an 81. And they did not yeah. like that I was saying that he was better. Like, but that is a real thing. FIFA absolutely conditions people to view players a certain way, even though it's fucking wrong. I mean, like, there's not another good explanation as to why he should be there. In my opinion, other than maybe that, Clint so, Dempsey wants to play
1: there. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, look, look, Pulisic is skilled enough to play kind of as a position positionless player. Like, I think he can be a chameleon on along the front, along the attacking band. Um, I even think like he gets a little bit bigger and stronger. You could put him up front, conceivably. Um, like I think he's that good and has that diverse skill set. He's fast. He's not strong yet, like I said, but he I think he will become strong when he fills out. Um, and he can pass and he can shoot. Like he has everything to play along the attacking band. It's just that what the so like it's not ridiculous to put him on the wing if you're Dortmund and you have other people like Kagawa and other people to put in the center. But if you are the US national team and what you lack is um, attacking creativity, then you don't need him bombing up the wing to get passes that nobody can complete to him anyway.
0: Right. If you look um, at like and where it, they
1: can just cut his legs out from under him the second you get the ball, which is all they did. You need him in the center of the park where he can collect the ball, have a little bit of space and make passes and make runs.
0: Uh, and I, I think this, the formation that, 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 that USA played, which was basically a four, four, two, uh, diamond, yeah. um, had, um, had, you know, really did what Bob Bradley can like really also brought out the only thing basically that Bob Bradley has left in his tank, which is playing as like a really deep lying, uh, playmaker slash defensive midfielder slash third center back occasionally. I mean,
1: I think he did a reasonably good job shielding the back line. He was asked to do a lot as the sole defensive midfielder, but I think he's a, look him as a like full central mid or God forbid, like a more attacking central mid is a goddamn disaster. He is fucking awful as a more attacking mid. As a more defensive mid, um, he's pretty he's pretty competent. Um, I like him okay. He probably lives up to his FIFA seventy eight rating when he plays in the <laughs> defensive mid. Well, that's uh, why I liked him there, you
0: know, because the the problem with Bradley is that when you get him in that, you know, God forbid the final third, the dude is gonna lose the ball instantly, and like he. He's not bad when he can like collect the ball, have a lot of time to pick out a pass to someone, yeah. but he's definitely not someone that you want making instant decisions around the other team's area. It's just terrible.
1: Man, uh, Gabe, let me tell you one more thing. Uh, we all talk about Pulisic, and that's great, but I'm actually pretty excited about Bobby Wood. Um, I think that Bobby Wood is really good. Like, he can dribble, he's fast, he needs to work on his finishing. He still doesn't take all the chances that he has. Um, and so that's something he needs to work on. But he's young. He's playing first division football in the Bundesliga. Um, like I'm excited about Bobby Wood and Pulisic as kind of the attacking pair um, that we're going to take to take to Russia.
0: Yeah. And in the future, just those two evolving with the guy from um, from PSG's academy. Yeah, uh, is it's actually a really
1: exciting like 2022 is looking pretty optimistic. When yeah, these guys are gonna be at their like prom.
0: grouping for these the, this 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 team. I just hope that Madrid has a co- USA has a competent like coaching staff and developmental plan for for some of their younger talent. I mean, like I I really don't like Josie Altidore. I don't really rate him. I would much rather have, you know, Bobby Wood up front as a sole striker. But yeah. You know, it, if they're going to play him, at least put him, you know, at least put Altidore next to Bobby Wood. They can play off each other. I mean, you're totally right, though. I just want to mention, just go back to this, th- to circle back to this. The the first pass that everyone raved about from Altidore was actually not very good at no, all. No, it was, it was way off mark. It was it was shocking because really everyone should be talking about how Kolasic managed to somehow collect that pass and still
1: dribble around these defenders and, like... It was incredible. Uh, it was, the kind it was of- I mean, it was a world-class play that Pulisic pulled off. It was not a world-class flick from Altidore. No, and it it
0: reminded me of the kind of shit people used to say about Messi, where, like, someone would pass, like, Messi this terrible ball, and he would dribble five people and score, and they'd be like, well, how about that pass from, like, his skets? <laughs> And you're like, what about the guy that, like, received that shitty pass and drove
1: past six people and scored? Like, that guy's much better what I'm hearing, Gabe, is that Christian Pulisic is messy.
0: Well, that run—I mean, look, i know hes not, but like that run was didn't like didn't do a, like didn't do that comparison uh, make didn't make that comparison less of it like any more. No, of look, joke, it was right. Like it, it was, was goddamn beautiful, it was and, beautiful if I can, and sexy. Like this is the best can... player Madrid that the USA has ever produced, and it's not that close already. And that's saying something about how far this guy has to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I can quote a string of six texts that I sent you after he did that, uh, CP, my Lord and Savior, yeah. Gabe, CP is so fucking good. Yeah, that's all I had to say He's on that. He's the game. real
0: deal, and like he is that level of like. If we're getting that level of player, this is makes suddenly makes the USA. I mean, look at what Cristiano Ronaldo has done with a really mediocre Portugal team. Look, I'm not saying... So that's the crucial point. In international
1: international football, one superstar can really make a difference because everyone else's... The rest of everyone else's team is pretty mediocre. Like, no one is showing up with a well-drilled, well-coached, like, high-end team. Right, other than, like,
0: Spain. Other than (laughs)
1: Spain and Germany and, like, a couple other teams. But it's a knockout tournament, so you might never see them. And... But but one superstar player can take a pretty mediocre squad and, and, and make it really good. And, like, I'm not convinced that the Portuguese squad, absent Cristiano Ronaldo, is that much better than the rest of the U.S. squad. Like, it's probably better. But how much better and how far can Christian Pulisic take on? Probably further than fucking Clint Dempsey could.
0: Yeah, and that's the point, though, right? That's what makes, you know, this— coming era in American soccer is so exciting, because it's not just him, it's Bobby Wood, and it's a couple of these other players, right, who are still coming up, uh, who actually have this potential to to be real world class players, which is fucking incredibly
1: exciting. So... So, Gabe, assuming that we do make the World Cup, which is dependent on this game that I really need to check to see if it's even happening tonight so I know what I'm doing tonight. Assuming we make the World Cup and assuming everything we just talked about with the U.S. is true, we've got some good young talent, but we're still kind of relying on sort of the last – like we're in a transitional phase, I think, between the old generation who I think have done a lot of service to the U.S. men's national team and the next generation who we're putting a lot of hopes on. What do we expect from the US in this World Cup? Like what would be a successful World Cup assuming they qualify?
0: I don't know, Evan. Every American team ever goes into every competition ever expecting to win. So yes, if they don't true. win, it's a fucking failure. Yeah, yeah, the, in say. the
1: in, for the fucking like basketball Olympics, I think that's absolutely true.
0: <laughs> it,
1: it is. It is true for the for any competition where the
0: US is playing basketball. That's definitely true. Uh no, I mean realistically, like, you know, Putin is obviously colluding with the American government to say, all right, I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm it's my birthday. I'm tired. Yeah. I think realistically we can expect them to get out of group. um, And unless they're put in a tough group. I mean, like the truth is like, that's if they can do that, they will have equaled the U.S.'s previous, you know, high, not high watermark, but like previous generations kind of death throes. Right. And so yeah. if they can equal that and say, look, we have this exciting core that we're building with, that's going to be a lot of excitement going to into the 2022
1: and <sighs> Qatar. So I, if they make the World Cup, I expect them to break from group. And I think that that's a bare minimum of like acceptability for the U.S. at this point, which is why it's so sad that we're talking about whether they qualify or not. Right. Because I thought we were beyond that. Yeah. Um, I thought we were at the point where we're talking about what do they have to do at the World Cup to be successful. And I guess we're not. But I'm still going to pretend no, like we are beyond that. we are. We are. We are, we are. And, and
0: I think that they, to, to, to take the U.S. seriously, you have to. Like, you like yeah. you have to assume that they're going to qualify. And I yeah. am, essentially.
1: I think they are. I really do. And so, okay, so I think that they um, they need to – I think they should break from group, and that's the bare minimum of success. And so I guess sort of my answer to my own question is they need to break from group. But I expect – then the next, the next part of my analysis – does depend on who they play um, in the knockouts, right? Um, if they get, if they don't run into a juggernaut in the knockouts, I expect them to fucking win a knockout match. That would be uh, good. I think it's time, like, like I said, it's context dependent. But they haven't always been drawing the worst draws in knockout round. Right? They got kind of unlucky with drawing Belgium last time, right? So that's why what I'm saying with like, okay, if they draw Belgium, who was a really good squad last time. That's tough luck, and your your any team would have a tough time beating Belgium. Yeah, dude. Um, and so like fair enough, like I get that. Or if they draw Germany or Spain or something, but the you know if they draw freaking Ivory Coast again, right. Um, this—that's a match that we should expect this team to be able to win. Ghana, uh, even though Ghana's step. not going right, like, but like the Ghana yeah, equivalent, Ghana, something like that, right? This they is, need to be able to take, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good that point,
0: dude. That's a good point. I think that's that's actually a crucial point, right? Because the Ghana equivalent team in the previous World Cups has knocked, actually, just literally has been Ghana, right? But like right. that level, the United States needs to not just go into that match and say, "I think we can win this." It's to go into that match and say. I think we should plan to win this match like right. that if they want to be if we want to be taken seriously as a soccer playing federation, then that has to be a match that U.S. goes into not just saying, you know, yeah, we might win. We're hopeful, but like saying, yeah, we expect to win. And our our next round opponent should understand that they're not going to get a, a knockover, you know. Yeah.
1: And I mean, look, I'm desperate for the U.S. to make this World Cup, not just because it's fun, because I'll have Iceland to root for regardless. Yeah, dude. um, it's it's because I desperately, too, right? I desperately want, uh, desperately want Pulisic and Wood and the other young guys to like have the experience of going to the World Cup because I think that what we're talking about with the next step like that is that is set up for us like we need to get the right coaching staff because damn it if this isn't a real golden generation coming up with an actual superstar to lead them like we talked about the last golden generation whatever that's supposed no, it, it, to it reminds
0: me of belgium actually you brought up belgium this is yeah. belt this is, reminds me of belgium this this generation of USA players like Polistich would be would be
1: Azard and like
0: there are a lot of other players like coming up that have yeah, the characteristics like, to be world for, talents.
1: Brooks is really good and he's not old yet. You've got a lot the, the, uh, the you know the the younger um, you know the youth squad's been playing really well and have a lot of promising talent. Um, There's just a lot of good things going on you've got Cameron Carter Vickers is going to probably cap for the US and he's you know playing second division soccer in England right now and he's on um, you know he's he's a Spurs player and you know they're talking about him as a future first teamer in Spurs as a central defender like you've got so many good players. The better, better depth in youth than I think the U.S. has ever had. Yeah, I agree. This isn't you know this is really the next step, and I I want as many as them as possible to be in Russia to get that experience that way. The next time we can start really talking about the U.S. making noise. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying the U.S. is going to win a World Cup, and I, I I think there's a good chance that I never live to see the U.S. win a World Cup. Yeah,
0: I don't know, man. I could see the U.S. winning a World Cup in our lifetime
1: you think so i mean i really hope so i just it all depends on whether it continue the game like the trajectory of the game continues and that depends there's so many variables oh, Man, but- fucking
0: south korea made the semifinals of the world cup so like oh, i hey, don't know it, it all depends on what whether the they have know? right and so that leads us into our bad takes of the week um evan your bad take of the
1: re- week in fact has to do with the very subject we've been speaking about so this is a com like this this bad take it's from ESPN FC as always. Always a great supplier of awful takes. All takes but- matter, dude. All takes matter, and that's what ESPNFC shows. It really never lets us down. Um, so this is a combo bad take where it's like, it's a bad take. It's both an overreaction take, which is one species of bad take. And it's also like a fixed soccer, fixed American football take.
0: Oh, so it's really just perfectly for this show. Like this is like, like yeah. Act.
1: Uh, Let's fix football. Like this is like the definition of this show. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So it's literally it's a, it's amazing. So basically, what this take says is like it states the obvious, right? Which is that the U.S. is nowhere near competing with Western European countries in international soccer, um, and it. But it says rightly or not that no other country really is that basically it's just like Brazil and Argentina and a couple other nations that can compete with Western Europe. But really it's all about the Western European nations who, who can compete. And it says that the reason this is, it has this kind of sociological theory that there's some, (laughs) that there's something about the dense network of Western Europe. So it's also like a little bit racist kind of, Yeah, (laughs) Uh, there's something about the dense network of, of Western Europe that, allows for the exchange of good soccer ideas.
0: This is so fucking stupid. I can't uh, do <laughs> this is so to fucking percolate
1: stupid. players from a young age and then they take them back and they play well. And it says that even non-European nations who become good uh, only become good because their best players are actually Western Europeans who grow up there but then go back and play football for their like like African nations. Dude, this and is so about being like Western Europe. Now it never really explains what a re- it says you need a full reboot for American soccer, apparently under these principles. But I don't exactly the principles the of fucking
0: like Western colonial imperialism just like bullshit, like nonsense. Like fucking, like the only way That anyone is ever good at soccer is by fucking sending their players to England and having them play at like fucking Stoke B U 21 in the rain and injuring their fucking uh, ACL, right? Like that's, it's such bullshit. Like what the fuck is Pelé then? assholes like i just don't understand like this is a player who never once played in europe and he's widely regarded as the best player ever and his team is his brazil team is literally the best side ever how can you make this argument seriously i don't understand
1: but the thing is i don't really understand what his argument is it's not clear to me that his uh like argument is like send more american players to um like to Western Europe to play. He's I just want to like, really
0: quickly say there's a dude like loading his new rug into his apartment across the hall. And my dog is very upset about it. So that's yeah, what you're hearing in the background. That's
1: okay. It's a, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Um, he's protecting so- me. My dog's been begging for dinner like the entire time we've been recording. So <laughs> um, so like it's not clear to me that his like point is send U.S. players to Western Europe. And look, I think that generally having our good players play in European First Divisions right now is better than them playing in MLS. So like, that's true, I think. But it's also, I think, not exactly what he's saying because his point is they Western European players start getting inculcated with these good soccer vibes nice. like – From like when they start kicking a ball when they're six, like he says
0: something. Fucking like soccer version of the Protestant work ethic. It's so dumb. I guess
1: I I fucking don't know. Like his, he's so unclear about what his goddamn reboot is. And I guess maybe he didn't write the headline.
0: What is the reboot that you're talking about? Like, and and also right, like you could end up with a situation like freddie adu right who gets sent to eight, like this fucking like high level soccer at like 16 years old and everyone's like oh he's going to be perfect thank god he's going to europe and then like they just fucking shuttle him from b team to b team yeah. until he's finally promoted to like second division spain after never playing, and like that's a fucking catastrophe. It's much better to have him play at Atlanta United until he's twenty five and then, or twenty three, and then if he's ready to make the jump, he makes the jump to England, right? Like it's so much better to do it that way, or land where Pulisic did, right? Or even yeah, uh, like you know, fucking
1: at, Pulisic is the answer to this question. Like it's the fuck. You have a really talented American player. Who gets noticed by a really big club and puts him in their fucking academy and promotes them to their first team? Like, that's the goddamn answer. It also has to be the right
0: academy, though, too, right? Like, there's some academies that really don't promote and really aren't good talent farms. Like, Borussia is famously one of the best talent farms in Europe. Sure. And, 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 and so, is Barcelona, Spurs, and having, Real Madrid, like, American- Spurs, like, these are all really, that's absolute top of the line talent. But, like, farms. don't but, go to Chelsea. Right. Like they're gonna loan you out to like like Sorbonne like B in France and forget about you, uh, so I just don't get it. It doesn't make any. It's so, it like, like even I taking like... it on its own terms, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like that's the point. Like that if if the point is that these players are inculcated from birth, well then it's just simply not something that Americans are gonna have. But it's a dumb thing to think because more and more we have young Americans playing soccer from birth who and we're finally seeing the harv- harvesting the talent of this vast youth soccer culture that we have in this country to create players that are as
1: good as P- Christian Pulisic right like that's literally the answer right like that and that, we've kn- and we've known that that's the answer for decades and it's just the hard reality is that that takes a long time right those players have to play for 20 years before they're good um, you know, they have to be around for a long time and the first generation is only going to be so good and the next generation is going to be better and the next generation is better. Like it's just a young – it's still a young sport in the U.S. It, you know, youth soccer culture only really took it off in the U.S. in like the 70s. And, you know, so we're just talking about a long-term process of these players becoming good. And I think we haven't even seen the end of Hispanic influence on – No, not um, at all on us because that immigrate you know the immigration waves only really started to be as big as they are in the 80s um and so we're still waiting for a lot of the results of that wave of immigration totally. so the answer is just to the kind continue. of promotion
0: have, of hispanic just, players right like that's another part like yeah. a, a hispanic youth but, leagues were also like wildly underfunded until rather like maybe 10 20 years ago recently that, i'm sorry about my dog he really is upset that, you know, that he's being cool. outside
1: And look, I think that that's a good point, too, the the underfunding of Hispanic Youth Leagues. But at the most basic level, the answer to the question of how does U.S. soccer become better is when more people watch soccer and more people play better, you will have more good players. And... So the answer is just to continue to grow the game. And there's no fast track for that. Like we're not going to wake up tomorrow and have soccer be the biggest game in the U S but like we've said it before, Gabe soccer is here. It's here. It has, we're no longer talking about when will soccer arrive in the U S it's here. And it's been here probably since about 2010, there are more and more expansion
0: Um, teams. And also there's going to be like, and I don't mean like soon in the near future, but like in the future, there is going to be a vacuum at the top of the American sports hierarchy because the NFL is a dying league with a dying sport right so few
1: people are playing nfl football like the the, when you read the stats on youth leagues um it is shocking the the nfl has a real problem and i think i mean i think that there's almost no chance that in a generation nfl football is even recognizable to us they're gonna have to change that game so drastically to get people to play
0: it in order to survive right and that will require changes that might alienate some of the kind of like hardline supporters of what the game is now. And like, it could create an opening for a new generation of fans to like be
1: introduced to this
0: sport. And that could be huge for the United States too. Right. So
1: yeah. And it will be a lot of the sports. It's kind of a side side note, Gabe, but I don't, I don't know if you heard this, but they're really close apparently to developing a way of testing for CTE and living people that will end the NFL. That's an incredibly, incredibly huge development. It will. end Roy it because people because, okay so we saw some retirements this year, like 26 year old star center for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Jonathan Urshel. He retired at 26 to just go be. He's like a math genius. And he went to MIT to pursue his doctorate in math. And his point was basically like, fuck y'all. I want to stay alive and I don't want to kill myself. I don't want to have all these problems that CT causes. And I have a real alternative career. And that was just on the possibility that maybe he gets CT. If people can start seeing that they have, you know, the beginning stages of that kind of brain damage, um, could, I mean, yeah. not all of them, but a lot of them are going to leave the game. And what I think, I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to understate the ramifications that that kind of test will have on the NFL. And, like, that might be a great boon to soccer, Um, which is how it kind of relates to this conversation, right? If, if players just start playing soccer instead of football, um, it will be a huge, like a seismic event in, in, uh, because I think a lot of us assume right now that a lot of these players are playing with CT and they just kind of are, they're willfully blind to it.
0: I it's, it, it's a huge deal in, 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 and it won't just be a thing that affects like, you know, this sport, it'll be a rare cultural you know shift. And obviously we can't predict what will happen, but I really do think that we'll have a huge seismic shift and it'll happen probably. So like it'll, it'll happen slowly over, over time, but we're just now getting the full extent of this disease. And the idea that if you're a player and you can look at a test result and it said, Hey, like if you keep doing this, you're going to have brain damage in 15 years. You, you, I think that you would see half the people in the NFL retire because in, in a gener- You can't a pay generation, someone enough I to think, do that.
1: I think there's a real, a real chance in a generation that football looks a lot more like rugby.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. that
1: we make the pads smaller, we make the helmets smaller. You basically outlaw all big hits, right? Yeah. The unnecessary roughness. It, it kind of like in rugby. Like it's not just oh, you hit him in the head. It's, oh, you hit him harder than you needed to to drag him down. Exactly. And Um, and we'll definitely eliminate like these kind of
0: small, repeated head injuries that most people think are really more related to CTE than the big concussions, right? Like it very possibly that the offensive line and defensive line will be prevented from using their heads in some way, right? Like that will be some series well, could, of rules, right? Like that, that you could kind
1: them. of go back to old blocking rules where holding was a lot more was a much broader offense back in the day. And I know we're getting kind of far afield from soccer now, but whatever. Soccer has shit. a lot to say uh, on this topic, also. But it, it's like so you know older holding rules. You like couldn't grab the jersey. You couldn't make as much contact, and so it was kind of more about shadowing your man and a little bit less physical. And so there were less, there were fewer collisions. Um, And, you know, so, I mean, I think you can think of radical rule changes that might impact all of this, Um, but just football is going to look a lot different. And the point for soccer is already we're only a couple. We are like, what, three years into the CTE era and already the studies are very clear. That's had a massive, massive effect on youth football and youth soccer as it should. And, and as it should. And and that's going to have an impact on how good the U.S. national team is going down the line. So fuck this guy who thinks we need a reboot. I have no idea what he's talking about. His point doesn't make any sense. It's just an aimless overreactionary column about the U.S. struggling and the qualifiers. He should feel bad and they should fire him.
0: Agreed. My bad take has also is also related to U.S. men's national team, but it's not a pundit saying it. Uh, so in relation, in reaction to uh, the kind of struggles of uh, Trinidad and Tobago to make their uh, to make their pitch ready and everything ready, and in relation to the U.S. struggling and generally in their Concacaf uh, qualifying, and you know just generally about Concacaf, you know, Bruce Arena in a long winded and long explanation of what's going on with the team. Also had this incredible quote, which is my bad take of the the week. He said, "Quote." I would love to see one of those hotshot teams from Europe come over here and play, and I'm just going to substitute, quali- CONCACAF qualifying. He's talking, he's literally saying that he, he thinks that he would be, you know, that he would be, he would love to see one of these teams like Spain or Germany come over and play CONCACAF as if, you know, th- this is a tough league compared to Europe where the Netherlands last, last World Cup semi-finalists So didn't weren't didn't
1: qualify. So this, so I think, and I think specifically he was talking about road games because the context is he's like talking about how it's going to be hard to go and win in Trinidad and Tobago, even though they're not a great team. His point is that CONCACAF road games are really tough. And, you know, okay, for CONCACAF teams, other CONCACAF road games are, are really hard, but um, we actually have some, some data. We have data data on this. Um, one specific data point is when Croatia recently came to play an international friendly against Mexico in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, which is emphatically a road game for Croatia. uh, a Croatian team against Mexico. You know, it's only a few hours from Mexico, a lot of Mexican immigrants in the area, Essentially and Croatia no fucking one, two to one.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, look, I think the, the, the kind of general point is this is the conca cap version of but can he do it on a windy night in stoke right and like that's the classic argument that people in england have always used to justify their shitty ass league i don't mean like shitty calm the fuck down the epl is great it's a great league but to justify like you know saying that continental players are worse than players that do it in england even though that's emphatically not been the case so i think
1: it's I think it's way more ridiculous than the England argument. Oh no, way, way, way um, cause, more. Cuz the, the England argument is always about okay, well you guys are better at the top, but we have more depth in our league, so like our league's harder and like so that's the argument there. It's like we have to go through more in our domestic league. We can't just save up our energy for the internet for the European competitions and that's their excuse for why they don't win European competitions I don't and we know. can
0: I also have think have it the has debate to do about, with the refereeing. Like, I think part of it's like, well, in the English league, we don't play like sissy
1: nanny boys. No, yeah, in the that's continent. true. That the argument is that EPL is more physical; that you get away with more fouls, and then they get called for a lot. You know, they get away with more physicality, but when they go to the continent, you know, the sissy Italian ref calls everything a foul. So, look, we look. can have that discussion. It's <laughs> not the discussion we're having, though. And, and maybe we should, but what this is, this is like, you're not as much better than us that you, than you, as you think you are. Um, you just, you don't understand how tough it is to go on the road in Honduras or Trinidad and Tobago and play in these really hostile Latin American uh, uh, stadiums and, and win these matches, except for like, that ignores the fact that there's a lot of hostile environments in Europe too um it yeah it frankly it just doesn't make any sense doesn't really make any sense comment, like, and the, it's just making an excuse for why the u.s has struggled in yeah. the past in road games
0: well, like the idea that like a road match in trinidad and tobago would be any harder than like a road match for like I don't know France and like Minsk, right? Like that. There's no reason to suggest that would be true of anything. Like Minsk's stadium is going to be larger and more filled with angry,
1: you know, East uh, Eastern Europeans, right? Well, they fucking have to go to Moscow or Ukraine and play with a bunch of actual Nazis in the stands, exactly. And like with Uh, with like, there's a lot of hostile environments. And when it comes down to it, the concept that these teams couldn't do it is. Is ridiculous given that we know empirically that they're better because they win they win more games I against I also Concordia really like
0: some of the comments on that piece where, so like on Twitter especially, someone was like, "This is so dumb." Like, you know, this is this is a dumb take. And people are like, "Well, like imagine if like they had to come here and play against Costa Rica in ninety five degree weather, as if like every team in Southern Europe doesn't play at ninety five degree weather all the time, like." That was, it was it's just extremely funny to think that, like, I mean, like, my, I was thinking about this earlier, like, what level of team from Europe could we expect, not to comfortably qualify, but to be in a fighting position, right, to qualify in 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 CONCACAF, and, like, it's the kind of team that literally never makes the World Cup, like, I was thinking, like, I actually think that, like, it, Israel could probably be in with a shot like, they, they wouldn't beat USA or Mexico, but I think, like, could they outplay like the you know someone for the third or fourth spot in that group? Yeah, man, I yeah, do.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, if your question is like who's on the you know uh, you know who's on the level with Panama, right? Right? No, of course. if that's basically the question, then yeah, I think Israel, Bulgaria, <laughs> right? Like, no, these are,
0: totally.
1: Like these are teams that like I don't think that we're talking about the really minnows. Like I don't think we're talking about Liechtenstein or Luxembourg, no, but we no. are talking about the like third tier
0: um well certainly that i'm really thinking about the fourth tier like even below like sweden right like sweden all, like occasionally qualifies for the Euro- world cup in europe i think they are essentially like would be expected to qualify every time if they were in Concacaf. they would be u.s uh, mexico and
1: sweden would get through every single right. time right and, no but- i think that's i think that's right i think hold on i wanted to check something like so like we could there's the most objective way I could think to do this is like look up what the what fucking like Panama's FIFA coefficient is, yeah, and see like who the hell else is around them. And the first problem is I couldn't even find them on the first page, yeah, they're 56, right? Right, so we're talking Bulgaria's 59, Ireland is 61, Ireland was a thought I had, Montenegro is yeah. 64, just a little above them I is Israel. That.
0: Yeah, I think that Ireland um, like Marie. is
1: around the same level, right? Like that we can in Wales, like you can expect yeah. them to be in with a shout from all these places, right? So like, yeah, so like these are the types of teams I think would absolutely qualify pr- most the time out of Concacaf, right?
0: And there they'd be more like you know like a co- common but not constant qualifier like Costa Rica, right? Like and not even like. I don't know, like some of the
1: lower teams in Con- Trinidad.
0: I mean, Trinidad made the world cup back in the day, man. They were in the
1: world cup. They did six. And their FIFA coefficient actually is better than Panama's. That's also way. They why are the FIFA 49. coefficients are dumb, but like, well, they're stupid. <laughs> you know, so I was Gabe. I was really trying to find uh, a five thirty eight. does their soccer power index <laughs> yeah. for um, club rankings, which are, I w- love to make fun of cause they're kind of stupid, but also, they're also, they also wildly fun.
0: vary week to
1: week, which is another yeah, they problem. Do. And, like it's because analytics for soccer are really hard and they're in their infancy but they're right. also they're still pretty a pretty fun attempt to like define international like world soccer mathematically but apparently disappointingly 538 does not have soccer power index for that's so uh, dumb it's so athletes. dumb the
0: international teams are actually the teams where the week to week shit actually sort of matters that's get so you stupid get your shit together 538 jesus uh, um Alright, well that basically is it for this week. Uh we'll be back next week with an actual discussion of like <laughs> the actual European season, thank God. Um, because <laughs> this nightmare of an international break will slow Jesus, be we'll ending. be able to talk
1: about Madrid Spurs next week.
0: Oh, uh, I'm so nervous. No, we won't be because they're on no, the eighteenth, right?
1: No, we I think we play the seventh the seventeenth. Hmm. All right.
0: So like, next we're week, Tuesday whatever, match. We're Tuesday match. Regardless, we'll be able to talk about the Champions League. We'll be able to talk about the weekend in European uh, football, which is great. Which is great. Um, until then, buddy. Great talking to you.
1: Yeah, man. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thanks everyone for wishing me away. Farewell to New York City boys. The
0: Bostonian. He took them out with a well-ungled and I often heard him say, "I'm a free boy." Jump in Pittsburgh and he slashed into the ground. He took on tiny tartanella and it only went one round. He never had no time for rats, for drink up dice so hard. But he never threw a fight when a fight was right, so I sent him to the war. Very well gone away. There's nothing left to say. West Launcher John, a and ago, when love's in America. The calling of the rosary, smash wine from far away. I'm a freeborn man of the USA. Yeah.